So today I would like to talk about two things. One, the fact that you can trust God. He never lies. And number two, the fact that you can trust Satan to always lie. He's always trying to deceive us. Maybe you're like me and you've been naive at times in your life. I remember one time in Liberal, Kansas, I ran the Sonic there. He, uh, a man, I think it was the county sheriff, came in. His wife worked there and he, he, he would come in from time to time and talk to me. He showed me a machine gun he had and he carried with him. He, he drove a Smokey and the Bandit type vehicle for his work vehicle. It had giant hood scoops on it and um, he, he wore a big black cowboy hat. Quite a character he was. And one day he came in with a block of silver. And he told me he had found a buried um, lost treasure in New Mexico and he needed my help to get it. He didn't have a four-wheel drive. I did. And I was leery, but still naive. I didn't want to pass up a chance to get a treasure. You know? And uh, he was quite a, a shady character. But my, my greed kind of overpowered my, my uh, common sense. And so this man talked me into going with him. And uh, he also talked the bread man. Uh, that he apparently knew uh, that brought bread to the Sonic, my bread man. And so we were a threesome. We went on a, a treasure hunting adventure. Even though I was leery, and um, this man lied his way everywhere we went to the people we talked to, he had not found a treasure. He, I have no idea what his mot motive was to this very day. I remember standing out on the cliffs uh, of, a, of a big gorge in New Mexico and uh, being afraid that he, he might push me off because he had lost my trust in a big way and the way he talked and the way he lied to everyone we came in contact to. Um, I had left a note to be opened if I wasn't back at the drive-in, I think um, within a day or two. And my assistant manager actually opened it early <laughs> and he had the law down there waiting for me when I got back along with my father and my my pastor from Dodge City uh, Quite a deal, but um, it could have been a good a good thing for them to be there I it was a dangerous situation and because I was so naive and, and my judgment was clouded and I was blinded to the truth um, I, I Listened to this this man who lied and the lie he told me So, you know every day Satan lies doesn't he? Uh, through different venues of the world, the internet, TV, books, counsel from friends, just all different kind of ways. And we need, as believers, to know how to read those signs. Um, because we're overwhelmed with lies from the world every single day. Have you seen that old commercial, maybe about the lady who dates a French uh, male model over the internet, and she believes that everything he says about himself is true because, after all, they can't put it on the internet if it's not true. And I just think our, uh, with all the, the fake news, and there is fake news out there, it comes from the world, not just the internet. Uh, we are becoming a naive society, even believers. 
Um, so, and I'll tell another little story. The other day I, I read an article on Fox News about a 27-year-old Indian man, maybe you read it, named uh, Raphael Samuel. He says he plans to sue his parents because he was conceived by them without his consent. He did not give them permission to be born. Now, India is a weird place, I, I must, must say. Um, people there wor worship thousands of gods. Uh, there's, I, I saw a temple to, uh, dedicated to rats, and they let rats uh, walk over people's feet and, and roam wild, and they feed them. Um, and it, also, some places in India, it's legal to marry an animal. So, anyway, Raphael. This Indian man, he said, I want, quote, I want everyone in India and the world to realize one thing, that they are born without their consent. I want them to understand that they do not owe their parents anything. If we are born without our consent, we should be maintained for our life. We should be paid by our parents to live. To children, I would like to say, do not do anything for your parents if you don't want to. Now, notice that Raphael built a case for his lie by using parts of truth. It's true, he was not consulted by his parents before he was born. So he used those facts in his argument and he, he built around his own personal inferences. And, and Satan uses that same strategy on us. He uses truth, but he twists it. And uh, this really, uh, it, it was an interesting article. Um, even his wife, or his mother, says this. Uh, well, Raphael, Raphael said this first. I love my parents, and we have a great relationship. But they had me for their, for their joy and pleasure, for, and their pleasure. And his mother, Kavita Samuel, says this. I must admire my son's temerity to want to take his parents to court knowing both of us are lawyers, if Raphael could come up with a rational explanation as to how we could have sought his consent to be born, I will accept my fault. I'm very happy that my son has grown up into a fearless, independent, thinking young man. He is sure to find his path to happiness. No, I don't have to say it, but the world has lost it, my friends. So as believers... Today, I want to talk about how um, God's Word never fails. And we're going to turn to the Bible now and see what God says about His trustworthiness and how Satan only wants to deceive us. Um, number one, God keeps His promises. Jesus said this in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the truth. And Paul said, God never lies in, in his letter to Titus. Um, and he's speaking of, uh, well, I'll just read verse 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. So, that's amazing to me that before time, you see, God is outside of time. And before the foundation of the world, 
God made a promise that those that the Father chose would receive eternal life. And God does not lie, Paul says. He also wrote a lot about God keeping his promise to believers in Rome. And uh, the book of Romans is amazing. And this is just a, one verse about a big case that he makes for the, uh, for the, the truth that God never lies. He is sovereign and he never lies. Romans 9, 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. So I want to spend just a little extra time on this because I think it's, it's a big thing and it's easy to miss. Paul said that Israel was cut off and that the, so that the Gentiles could be grafted in. Now what does that mean? I think that the Jews and also the Gentiles in Rome must have questioned whether Paul was saying God broke his promise to the Jews. And uh, But Paul says no. God kept his word 100%. God is trustworthy. All right, You can trust God. He kept his word to the physical nation of Israel and cutting them off and grafting in the Gentiles. Look, uh, the ethnic Israel... He delivered them, as he promised, from slavery in Egypt. He brought them to the promised land. He, he provided for them in, in every way, gave them all kinds of prophecies and laws and ordinances. ordinances. And all these things, all of all the sacrifices that God wanted them to make, everything that he gave them pointed to the new covenant with the true Israel. All right? With, with the spiritual Israel. So... Um, the Old Covenant to Israel as a nation is tethered to the New Covenant. And, and even the only way to be righteous with, with God is through the New Covenant. And they even had to go through that in the Old Testament. Um, consider Abraham. The Bible says uh, he, Abraham believed and it was counted unto him as righteousness. But the letter of the law... Um, pointed Israel to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And yet, they went about to establish their own righteousness by keeping the law instead of looking to what the law pointed to. And even though they may not have understood it, they could have trusted God in that and had faith in God uh, like Abraham did. But they did. So in, a, in, a, in some context, you, I like to look at it like um, the Old Covenant and Israel as a nation was a test subject for the whole world to show not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles, that the only way to righteousness was through Jesus who would be born. They could not attain it on their own. All right? And so in order for the Gentiles to be grafted in, that old covenant had to be stopped. Um, God fulfilled it to the, to the nation. And, and so God cut off Israel. But the Bible says that they can be grafted in. Not only the Gentiles, but also the Jews. Because nobody could ever make it to God through 
through legalism and through keeping the law because we're all sinners. So they had to be cut off. But, but Paul, anyway, makes that case that God did not lie because there are two Israels, an ethnic Israel and a spiritual Israel. And some people were a member of both, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and David. God keeps his promises to both. And, uh, and the only way that a Jew or a Greek can attain the righteousness of God is through faith and not works. And, uh, and so, uh, in fact, Revelation 7, 9, he talks about not just, not the nation of Israel being, coming to God in heaven, but the spiritual Israel. That's people from every nation. Revelation 7, 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in, the, in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All right. But... So, so moving on now, knowing this about God, he never lies. He keeps his word. We, you and me, we still have trouble with it in ways that are sometimes not that obvious on a daily basis, don't we? Um, Satan always lies, number two. Um, and he twists the truth. All right? He's a deceiver. Genesis 3, 4. Remember uh, the woman told the serpent, the, the devil, and said that God said that we can eat of any tree except for one, and in the day we eat it, we will die. But this, uh, verse 4 of chapter 3 in Genesis, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan, like Raphael, uses some truth to build his case around. And, uh, to, and so, so he, his lie is built on, is, is mixed with truth. Because the truth is that they did not die on the day that they ate of the fruit, like God said, physically. Because, but they did die spiritually. And I believe that's what God was saying. The day that you eat of it, you're going to die in the worst way. You're going to be, my spirit is going to leave you. When you die physically, your, your own spirit leaves your body. But uh, Adam and Eve, they were separated from God the day they ate it. So Satan lied about that. And he said that God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Of course, they would be open in some context. And you would be like God. In some context, they were. They they, they knew about good and evil. Yeah. But um, the inference that, that Satan was making, that they would be, uh, they would be like God, that, that was the same lie he believed from himself. And that, that is the reason. He wanted glory equal to God. And now he's, he's given that same lie, that same temptation to Adam and Eve. So Satan uses truths. And we, many times, we say, okay, that is true. Satan told me the truth there. 
So I'm going to rationalize my will in this and look at it from the angle that I want to. And that's the way Satan usually works in our life with his lies. Now Jesus uh, told the Jews about Satan. Uh, when they they actually were talking about the same thing we talked about earlier, they were saying, "Hey, God does not lie, Jesus, and uh, we are the children of Abraham. He is our physical father, so we are God's people. You don't need to tell us to repent." And so they were using the truth that God doesn't lie, and that they were the children of Abraham, but they twisted it. Because they were, they had believed a lie all along. And here's what Jesus says to him in John 8:44: You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. All right, so don't believe Satan, okay? He twists things up. You know, rethink what you believe about God and about the truth because you don't want to be influenced by Satan. Uh, let God's word guide you. Peter told us the truth about Satan. He says, 1 Peter 5 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. That's a good, good uh, advice. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Maybe you saw where uh, a California jogger the other day was attacked by a young mountain lion that bit him on the neck and in the face, and uh, the man fought him off and finally suffocated him, but he had to, to go to the hospital to, for treatment of his injuries. But... You know, Satan is like an adult lion, roaring around, trying to, he wants blood. He, he, he's always trying to trick us. Um, God told Cain, remember Cain who killed his brother Abel. He told Cain, he said that uh, sin was crouching at the door. It makes me think of a lion. Sin wants to trick us. It's hiding from us. It wants to catch us by surprise. And, uh, and, that, and so that's the way Satan works. Now, I want us to, you know, we, we could look at chapter 11 of Hebrews. We're not going to, but it talks about the heroes of the faith and how they believed God. They, they did, instead of believing the lies of Satan, they had faith and believed God. And that's how they became. They came in this chapter that uh, they, these are our heroes that, that are, give us great examples. But tonight I want us to do something totally off the wall. I want us to look at some of these same heroes and some more and how they failed and believed Satan, Satan's lies. And yet these are the ones that they became heroes because they repented and they they persevered and can and believed in God and grew in God. They didn't give up. They didn't turn back. The French Foreign Legion used to have a a motto that said, if I falter, push me on. If I stumble, pick me up. If I retreat, shoot me. Um, you know, but we so easily, we, we fall back, we turn back, we run, uh, we give up. 
that as a, as a believer, the Bible says we will persevere if we're a true believer. So, um, and and by the way, First Corinthians ten thirteen says uh, tells us how no temptation that, uh, that comes to us um, will tempt us beyond our ability, but with the temptation, God will make a way for us to escape. So, um, so now let's just look at some more um, examples in the Bible of how um, some of the heroes of the faith and others have listened to Satan, his lies. And, uh, and many times, and we'll look at a few here that was to the point of willing to die. Have you ever felt that? I'm willing to, to die because this is more burden than I can handle. Okay, Job, remember him? He lost his, his children and all the money he had. And, his, and uh, after he lost it all, his wife told to him, came to him and said uh, in Job 2.9, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. So here Satan use, uses Job's wife to plant a seed of discouragement. Because she, she was experiencing pain because of Job's problems as well. And she lost her children as well. And she says, like, go ahead and curse, curse God and die. But, but Job didn't. He, he, he kept believing God. But, you know, five chapter, four chapters later, we find that Job was just, he'd had so much. He was about ready to give up, it seems. Satan must have whispered something into his heart. Like, just give up. Does it does he ever do that to you? Then Job answered in, in chapter 6, 1, verse 1. Um, oh, that my vexation were weighed and all my calamity laid in the balances, for then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words have been rash, for the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me, verse 8. Oh, that I might have my request and that God would fulfill my hope. And here's what his hope is. That it would please God to crush me. That he would let loose his hand and cut me off. You ever feel down, so so down? You know, we, we have to persevere and trust God to the end. Because we know much more than Job knew at the time. For me, the best way to, to keep doubt away in my life and to not be discouraged is, is through God's Word. Uh, let His words abide in me and delight in what He says and be about His mission. So, When you're delighting in Jesus and His Word, it's, it's hard to get, to get discouraged. So Moses, when the children of Israel, this, this is, I think if Moses was in the one of the heroes, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, but in Numbers 11, verse 11, uh, when, when Israel had grumbled and said, we want meat, you know, maybe they were tired of the manna, whatever, they grumbled to, to Moses, and, and even Moses, he questioned God's promise. God had made him a promise, and the children of Israel, to su sustain them, and to help him lead. And 
Verse 11, Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you may, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this, this people? Did I give them birth? That you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a, a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to, to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, Give us meat that we may eat. Sounds like a song. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. So it was like Moses was so down. That it was like he was saying, Hey, if, if you... Find favor with me, which I think God had said he did. Then just kill me, because uh, that I may not see the fact that I can't do this. I'm not up to the task. Just go ahead and, and kill me if you, if you love me. Bad idea, I think, Moses. Um, God called Moses. And God would deliver him all the way through. And um, it seems that Moses questioned God here. Numbers eleven twenty three. And the Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true or not. So uh, the anger of the Lord kindled against the people, and he sent meat in abundance in the form of a plague of quail. Now, I like quail, but I tell you, the Bible says that the quail falling to the ground um, filled up the ground three feet, over three feet deep. And it covered an area of about a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side round about the camp. And they gouged themselves. The Bible says that those who had what it refers to as the craving died. They had grumbled and didn't trust the promises God had given in his provision. Don't grumble. Trust God. God wants us to awake to him in the mornings and sing praises to him. And to do so throughout the day. Tell of his excellent mercies. Elijah, a great story, right? Um, God had given him a great victory over the prophets of Baal. And, and then Jezebel, evil woman, threatened his life. And now he ran. Uh, he was down and depressed. And maybe you've been kind of like that. And sometimes it happens after a victory for Christians. Satan tries to get the advantage because we, we might, I think, let up a little bit. Because we've won a battle. And now we want to rest. But we can't take a vacation from faith in God. 1 Kings 19.4 Speaking of Elijah. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life. For I'm no better than my father's. He said, 
I have been very jealous for the Lord, the, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Eight, verse 18, yet I will leave, God says this, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal in every mouth that has not kissed him. So God did not completely abandon Israel. He didn't cut them off uh, from, from the promise to the ethnic Israel before he had granted it to them. No. He, was, he kept 7,000 who were actually, it seems to me, were a member of not only the nation of Israel, but the spiritual Israel who would only bow to God. And, uh, and so he kept them alive. And in keeping them alive, he kept their promise to, to, to all his descendants and to the spiritual Israel because through the descendants came the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Uh, so God never lies. He didn't lie to Elijah, and he, he didn't lie to Israel, and he doesn't lie to you and I. And Jonah is probably not one in the in the Heroes Hall of Fame, but um, I always hoped that Jonah was the one that wrote this book almost. Uh, it would be nice because he had the inside of all of everything that was said and uh, maybe he repented in the end. He was prophet of God. Uh, he, he was a man though, wouldn't he? And uh, after God had uh, told him to go to Nineveh and preach uh, for them to repent at one time, uh, he said this, uh, Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He knew that God kept his word and would be true if he preached in Nineveh for the people to repent, and they repented. If they delighted in, in him, God would have mercy. Uh, and so Satan whispered in his ear, I think, uh, you know, much of Israel and, and probably uh, Jonah at that time was um, prejudiced, uh, thinking that uh, Jerusalem or, or the Jews were the chosen people in every sense, and not just as a nation, as an example for the world and, and for the delight of God, but rather um, they looked down on the, on the nations around them. Um, it was like Satan says, hey, don't go to Nineveh, like God said. They're a bunch of filthy and godless heathens. They're not, they're not the chosen Israelites. Believe me, it's better for you to get as far away from there as possible. But you know, the people of Nineveh, I believe, that repented, became the true Israel, the spiritual Israel. And uh, I think Jonah must not have saw that, or he, he didn't understand it. But are we ever like Jonah? Someone we know doesn't, des we, we, we think doesn't deserve God's mercy, and so we don't share it with them. Or we might say, what's the use? They're so far gone, they won't believe. Or maybe we just don't want to participate in God's mission. I'm heading away from that. Maybe God will send somebody else. So, so far, we've seen heroes of the faith, right? Including Job, Moses, Elijah. 
that they believe Satan's lies over God's, and uh, at points in their life they just they they would rather die. They wanted to give up, but they didn't. God sustained them, and they began trusting God and persevered to the end. Even even Jonah, I hope, did that, but he wanted to die at one point. But God was faithful to Nineveh. God kept his word to Jonah, and he does so for us. He keeps his word to us. God never lies. And uh, even though Jonah was doubtful and faithless, you might say. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You see, God never fails. So, uh, there's so many more examples of, of, uh, of the heroes of the faith and godly people doubting God, believing Satan's lies, because we're all broken. Each one of us is. Remember Abraham's wife, Sarah. She laughed when God promised her a son in old age. It was not a laugh saying, ha, 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 that's awesome. But it was like, you know, oh, right. Yet, even that, even though she doubted, God kept his word. When Abraham uh, was promised Isaac as well. Um, after a while, he about gave up on God and tried to help him out, in a sense. And went into Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. And they had a son called Ishmael. But he was not the God of, or the son of promise through which Jesus, the Messiah, would be born. And God kept his word to Abraham. How about David, when he didn't trust God for satisfaction, and he saw Bathsheba, and he listened to the lies of Satan. Um, and yet it was... He also murdered Bathsheba's um, husband. And yet it was, it was through Bathsheba's son, Solomon, that the Messiah would come. He was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Zechariah, when God promised him a son, uh, who would prepare the way for the Messiah, John the Baptist, who he has prophesied to come, um, he doubted. But God kept his word and gave him John the Baptist. And so Satan still tries to, to lie to us. And, and, uh, and so in closing, you know, well, there's a TV show that I really liked. It was called Lie to Me. It, it ended in 2011. But uh, Tim Roth was Cal Lightman. He was a deception expert. You could tell if a person was lying just by watching their body language, their eyes, and the way they twitched and moved. And it's actually a fantastic, um, fascinating field of study. Real popular today. Um, but we need to be able to be deception experts when it comes to Satan. So uh, now practically, as we close, I want us to, to think about some of the things that Satan likes to say to us on a daily basis. I think we've made a good case, God's word has, that God never lies. Even when we are not faithful, God always keeps his word. And his, his way, following his way is always to glorify him. And it is always for our benefit. 
for all things work together for the good, for those that are the called according to his purpose and love God. And uh, we see it all throughout Scripture. God, and that's what we'll talk about next Sunday night, some of the blessings we have. Um, we'll, we'll touch on that. And, we'll, and one of the blessings that we'll talk about is, is we can use as a weapon of mass destruction against the devil. So, um, here's some of the things that uh, you might hear Satan say. And maybe you've read the book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's a fantastic book. I think it depressed C.S. Lewis as he was writing it. But there's some amazing truths of the way the devil works in our life. I encourage you to read it if you haven't. So some of the things Satan says... You have fallen out with your, of love with your spouse. Believe me, it's better for everyone if you get a divorce. These are some things that Satan whispers in our ears on a regular basis, every day sometimes. You are depressed way too much. So there's a truth, right? Okay. He, he goes on, get out and live for yourself. Believe me, you deserve it. As though that is where we'll find our satisfaction and joy. You don't feel comfortable at church, do you, Robin? You should actually go somewhere where you feel comfortable. Believe me, that's what it's all about. Life is short and it's all about you and how you feel. If, if you don't feel comfortable out in society, even then, just stay home and watch TV. It's all about you. It's okay. It's who you are. You know, just try to be happy in the short time you have here. That makes sense, doesn't it? How about you're not ready for a child? You couldn't bring it up in a good way, could you? And the world's about to blow itself up. Everybody knows that. Who would want that for a child? Yes, I think it's best to get an abortion. Believe me, you are a good person for doing this. Oh yeah, Satan wants you to be good. Believe that, right? You, Robin, you can't really, you shouldn't tell people about Jesus. You're doing more harm than good. You see, your, your social skills are horrible. Think about it. And, and you don't really have real friends, do you? When you speak, half the time people ignore you anyway. And you always say stuff when you shouldn't and look like a fool or a total jerk. And physically, Robin, uh, give me a break. You know as well as I do. You're actually an ugly person. Trust me, I mean, I'm not trying to be offensive to you, Robin, but trust me, everyone is it's better off if you just keep your mouth shut at work and school and stay home most of the time. And, uh, don't worry about telling people about Jesus. You're just going to make things worse. So we know what Satan tells us, don't we? These are the kind of things. He wants us down and out and depressed, not fit for the mission uh, that God has, has made for us. Satan always lies. He always deceives but you know, God never lies. 
and he has made tons of amazing promises to us. He has promised us all things, um, unsearchable riches, and that doesn't mean that we're we're not allowed to search for them. It means that uh, no ma no matter how many we find, there will always be more, immeasurable riches, um, and we as believers, God wants us to be about that. We, we want to. We should. As the deer pants for the water, we should pant for God and His Word and want to see more of His glory um, so we can be transformed into His same image. And the next Sunday, we'll, we will, uh, the Lord willing, we'll talk about some of these promises God has given us and how we need to, we can believe God. We made a case for that tonight. He never lies. And we'll talk about one thing in particular that God gives us, and that is joy. And uh, it is actually a weapon of mass destruction against all evil, including the lies of Satan. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word, Lord. All the examples in the Old Testament that we looked at and your uh, of how you never lie and Satan always lies, Lord. And please help our discernment, Father. Help us to be able to read the body language of, of Satan's lies and, and know the truth. Help us to, to, to get into your word and, and see your promises and learn more about your character so that we won't fall to the lies of Satan, Father. And I pray for those people all around the world, Father, our next-door neighbors and all those in India and and in the Muslim countries, Lord, uh, how they've they've been sold a lie, Father. Help them to turn their hearts towards you, Lord. Send us there to be martyrs, to share the gospel, to whatever it might may take, Father, Lord, so that you will be glorified, Father. That that um, that your elect from every corner of the world, from every tribe, from every nation, from every tongue, from every language, will we'll hear the gospel. And, uh, and we know that you've said that uh, you, won't, ret you won't, won't return until that has happened, Father. And until uh, your elect are, are drawn to you and they believe, Lord. And so we pray that to help us to be a part of that, Lord. We pray for them, Lord. And uh, just... And for all the world, that, that for you to be glorified, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.